Hello from a hot, small room with no natural light. Oh, go on, what are you wearing? Too much. It is hot in here. And <laughs> I, okay. I know that on one of the first podcasts we did, which which wasn't released to the public, you know, the the lost archives, the, the basement tapes. Yeah, um, the pensioners, I like to call them. When this podcast blows up and yeah. the whole world's fated breath. God, they're going to release the basement tapes of yeah. the Phone a Friend podcast. Finally, well, uh, we'll be able to really rake it in off of that yeah. stuff. Because that's yeah. some of our rawest stuff. But yeah, I think one of the first ones we recorded, I was recording in my little panties because it was so hot and it, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we're getting to that time of the year again um yeah but i'm still i'm dressed you know i'm not quite at that point but i'm feeling but it's food for thought for anybody listening you know as the weather ramps up you know the, you know there could be a few layers shed over there in barcelona well i think we discussed last time when I was sitting here uh, in my little panties. Um, <laughs> yeah, keep calling it that. That's great. Yeah. We discussed how uh, I had um, recently had been in contact with my downstairs neighbor and she had answered the door in her little panties. So I think at a certain time of the year, everyone in my block just lets it all hang out and it's like some sort of commune where we're all I, just in our little panties. Yeah, and I like but I feel as if with that half anecdote that you've just offered up there, you may have um kind of opened there's more questions asked than you've answered with that. And I I think we should leave that hanging there. Yeah, don't no, don't I, describe it anymore. No, I th- I th- I mean you've got to wait for the basement tapes if you want to find out. Yeah. What Ooh, happened? Yeah, there. tease them. I yeah. like that. How are you doing, George? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm, yeah. Hmm. I'm, I've got an attitude problem. I've got a terrible attitude problem today. (laughs) Wicked. Um, uh, I'm angry at inanimate objects. Mm. I broke the rules today. I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, but I broke the rules today. And so at the moment, we're here in Barcelona. We're allowed to go out for an hour's exercise between the hours of 6am and 10am or 8pm and 11pm. And then outside of those hours, you're only allowed to go out if you're going to the supermarket. Now, I went out to go to the supermarket, mm. but I took the long way around. <laughs> I probably had about five extra minutes that I wasn't allowed where I was just walking Ooh. around and I would feel guilty about it, but I had my mask on Ooh. and everything. And because I went out to go to the supermarket and the weather was so beautiful and Mm. everyone who, because (sighs) bloody kids, youths are allowed Mm. out at all hours, there's all these people hanging out and sort of having a nice time and I resented them for it. So I decided to go to the supermarket a little bit further away and if the police stop me, um, you know, I'll just say... I need my special brand of orange juice, and they only sell it at the big end. Yeah. Uh, and you can also pull the card of, uh, I'm sorry, I'm English. Sorry, I'm dumb. Sorry, I'm yeah, dumb I'm in dumb. English. I'm and quite also, ignorant. Sorry, oh yeah, excuse me. I'm, I, I've lived here for almost two years, but uh, don't really speak much of the language because I'm an <laughs> ignorant British person. Pig. 
It was a pig, yeah. <laughs> Ignorant British pig. Um, but I feel like when I go out and I get a little taste of what how nice it is out there, it's worse than if I had not gone out at all because then I have to go back and I know that it's like a... Uh, I'm being teased just beyond the door. There's a whole world and a whole blue sky out there. Mm. And I can't have it. Um, oh. oh, God, it's hard being me. Um, I sort of... Hmm. Do I want to talk about this? Yeah, I guess I do. I had my girlfriend uh, veep my back hair yesterday. Okay! <laughs> that, I'll tell you what, Ollie. <laughs> It's many long years I've known you, and it's been a pleasure from start to finish so far. Is this um, the end? <laughs> and but no, and I feel as if you know, with friendship and time, you you start to maybe you can kind of guess somebody's move in a conversation, what they might say next. You know, <laughs> never, ever. I, you know that the theory of the infinite monkey theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't think I they would don't ever think would have given reached. an infinite amount of time, I would have ever have guessed that you would have said that. Well, I mean, it's slightly tangential, but it's 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 related to to why I'm in a bad mood today. Um, it's such a raunchy episode already. We've we've got panties and fucking back bat hair. Feet. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I I don't think that um, it's. Necessarily I love the idea of raunchy to the general public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love the idea of like someone saying to their friend, like, "Oh, there's this podcast you should check out. It's um, Ollie Men and George Ezra. It's about mental health, and they just ring up and chat. You should check it out." And that was said to somebody, and, and the first episode, the episode they listened to is this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's like we had one email from somebody saying, "Can you explain what this content is? What does watchdog oh, yeah. mean, or something?" <laughs> Yeah, there's there's been a few emails from people saying basically like, "Hi, um, I really want to like this. Uh, I really want to like <laughs> or understand this. Can you try and explain to me why I should yeah. keep listening?" And the answer is no, I cannot explain. <laughs> um, my girlfriend veated my back hair. So what? Yeah. That's what I'm going to talk about. And I'm living. Um, yeah, but I uh, I should just say that, you know, she didn't want to do this. She did it out of the kindness of her heart. It is not her favourite thing to do. I've got a certain amount of hair on my back. <laughs> not too much. <laughs> yeah. But I was feeling particularly self-conscious yesterday <laughs> because, as you know, George, uh, I had to take a photo of myself for, for a thing. Um, mm. And... Even though I wasn't planning on revealing my back in that photo, yeah. I started thinking about all the things about my, um, you know, my body that I don't like. And I remembered that I'd bought this V, uh, v for men, although, as if there's mm. any different. I, I mean, I just think that it's in a blue bottle and not a pink bottle because <laughs> it's not like, I don't think it's like super rugged. Um, only male hairs, uh, like female hairs, sure, whatever, they're easily done, but you need the heavy duty stuff for the men's uh. hair. And I've tried, you know, shaving my back before, but there's only so much you can get. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I want to make clear oh, that there, there, really, there really isn't that much, okay? 
<laughs> yeah, there's enough to go around, though. No, well... <laughs> I mean, there's enough that it gets to me and I pick up a bottle of Veet for Men. But yeah. anyway, so I said to my girlfriend, please, will you Veet my back? Um, <laughs> she said, oh, Ollie, stop it. Well, first she said, like, uh, can I do it another day? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, sure, that's fine. And she was like... No, I'll do it now. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. I don't want you to... Don't go out of your way. And... But she agreed to do it. And also, I should mention that my girlfriend has a phobia of hair. <laughs> what? So this is like her asking me to climb into a lift and yeah. get stuck in a lift with her. Um, no, it's not quite that bad. Otherwise, she wouldn't do it at all. But picture this. We're in my in the bathroom. I'm in my little panties, and <laughs> oh god, she's smearing this stuff on my back. And I don't know if you have any experience with with Veet or or other brands are available. We're, we're not. I just want to make clear we are not sponsored by Veet for men yet. Well, then, Ollie, put it this way: I'm 26 and I started shaving last year, so you well, can answer that yeah, question for you, yourself. I, I think we're on opposite ends of the sort of hair spectrum. Yeah, uh, but. What happens is, after a while, you get the familiar smell of burning hair. And Mm. so my girlfriend was there sort of smearing this paste on my back Mm. with a... Because I was facing the mirror, I could see her facial expression, which was like pure disgust. And, and, you know, if I was feeling self-conscious before... Um, my self-esteem took a bit of a hit. I mean, I'm not expecting her to be like grinning and like licking her lips and saying this is wicked, but <laughs> but she was truly disgusted by it. Um, and <laughs> you leave it for five minutes and then they give you this little like scrape tool that you use to scrape the hair away. Oh, <laughs> oh I can feel my... Um, Ranking in Hartford's sexiest men tumbling the more I describe this. But basically, by the end of it, it had barely worked. They got rid of some of the stragglers, but there was still uh, a fair amount of hair there. Now it just smelt of burnt hair in our bathroom, and I was covered in paste. Um, And you had to take a selfie. And I had to take a selfie. That didn't have your back in it at all. It had nothing to do with my back. But, yeah, I, I mean... It's it's an it's an odd thing because I genuinely av- avoid looking at myself all day. Like when I brush my teeth is probably the only time. Like I, I I avoid mirrors because I don't really like looking at myself. And so when we then get to the point where I have to take a, a selfie for a thing, I well I mentioned to you I put it off for so long. And it's like such a stupid, simple thing. But I just hated the idea of having to do that. And Smug George had done his weeks ago. Um, Well, yeah, do you know what? But that says more about my vanity because I just found one from the archives that fit the bill. So for listeners, we had to do a photo that suggested to anyone looking at it, we were recording a podcast or we're involved in a podcast. Now, if we weren't all isolated... And I imagine at some point this might happen, but, you know, the idea of... We might have been able to put a bit more into it, you know? Mm-hmm. But the request was, we just need a picture of you each. I mean, um, I, I still think yeah. we should have spiced up a bit, like I should... Like, using a banana as a phone. 
and like staring at the camera like with a grin yeah with one eyebrow raised yeah like, like oh we, oh. we get up to some wacky stuff here yeah um yeah. but so basically to some to sum things up i had to take a selfie decided to get my back waxed for it <laughs> <laughs> oh that sentence <laughs> I had to take a selfie and I decided to get my back waxed for it. Got my back waxed, put my shirt back on and took the selfie. Um, Well, no, it wasn't as simple as that. I spent a long time taking the same photo over and over again, just hoping that like eventually there'd be one... Uh, that was Brad Pitt. That would suddenly be a different person and and it would click and I would be like, oh yeah, sweet. Um, But after a while... I just sort of like wore myself down until I didn't care anymore. Like I was like, fuck it, this will do. Um, well, do you know what though, Ollie? I, I feel as if that's the stance I ended up taking because I, I kind of think like, oh, because you drive yourself mad otherwise. Well, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> as you know, you're mad, bro. Um, well, and because I... Uh, I think it's another classic thing of like the reason it was so difficult is because I have avoided is that that avoidance thing something becomes a much bigger deal if you try and avoid it all the time and you don't face literally face mm. yourself in the mirror um and then suddenly you have to and you're like oh and especially two months into lockdown, not necessarily at my peak physical. I'm, I'm saying that as if I have ever been <laughs> anything other than what I, just a puddle of a man. But, but Ollie, do you find though with that, like um, putting stuff off, I do that with emails and texts mm-hmm. to, for no reason, but I'll receive a text from somebody that's, in fact, it happened this week, a week ago, I received a really lovely text from somebody and I read it and I don't know what the thought process is as I read it, but for some reason, a week later, seven days later, I'm still thinking about the text and mm-hmm. for some reason, it's become this real hurdle to get over of, I don't know what to say to this person. Yeah. And... and Why though? Obviously, it becomes... The longer you leave it, the worse it is because if you had done it on the day, then you just uh, reply to whatever the person has said, you send it off, whatever. But after a week, you then have the added bit of you have to say like, oh, sorry, I'm getting back to you so late. My cat was uh, dying, but is now okay. Or whatever it is you would come up with. Maybe something similar. Oh, I just say, sorry, I'm shit. Sorry, I'm a piece say, of shit. Yeah, I just say like, I'm sorry, I'm so shit at replying is what I end up saying. Well, but then literally as we're having this conversation, like, I can feel my vibe dropping because there's a text I received a month ago that was very sweet and I haven't replied to. Yeah, I I, I mean, I do it all the time. And you, you said, why? And I really don't know why we do this. It's just, I don't know. I feel like it's, I can't imagine a time before email because I'm so young. But yeah. like, I wonder if back in your favorite period, people would get a piece of parchment from the messenger boy and stare at it and be like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. What am I supposed to say to this? Put it on the bottom of the pile of, with the rest of the parchment, go around there for for another week thinking, oh Lord, yeah. Lord Bigsby, 
sent me such a sweet note, and I don't know what to say. Well, I wonder if they receive kind of, yeah, I, I guess for a lot of people, they would have received quite daunting messages of kind of, you know, your rent to the monastery is, for the land you rent is overdue, and we're going to cut your ale, you know, tokens or whatever. I don't know if they even had the courtesy of, of sending um, sending messages before. They probably just turned up with an axe or whatever. and yeah. And said, "Your brown bread, mate." Yeah. Now, now that's a film I'd watch. Your brown bread, mate. Yeah, Tudor brown bread. Has that kind of? I don't know. Are you over the photo yet, or is it kind of stuck with you? <laughs> I do think that it's. It says a lot that I had to take one photo yesterday, and I, and it's going to ruin my week. And yeah. and it's just it's just the uh, the obsessive nature of my yeah. brain finding another outlet i suppose the thing is like i don't go around consciously thinking oh i hate the way i look every day or anything like that it's just when you suddenly have to do with um something and i mean even like passport photos and any that stuff and my girlfriend understandably gets very infuriated with me because we don't really have any photos of us together um yeah because I avoid it all the time. There's like, we've probably got thousands of photos of her and our cat because I basically use him as a stand-in. <laughs> yeah. Or there's quite a few. You do take him to restaurants with you. Yeah. Like, like uh, no, any situation where you think she might want a photo with you, it's like vacations. Yeah. It's like take the cat along. And I just quickly like swap swap out for the cat. Yeah. Uh, we say to the waiter, "Oh, could, would you mind taking a picture?" <laughs> <laughs> and every time she's like oh yeah it'd be lovely to have a picture with a cat and then you get home and she's like ah oh, you did it you, again you got me um to be honest I, th- I think you're fucking gorgeous mate thanks mate um <laughs> is that what you need <laughs> uh yeah that's i'm sorted yeah. i uh what i was gonna say is i think as people may be able to guess it's probably not really about the photo um yes the you know it's it's hard times to be an obsessive thinker um as someone very wise once said what a terrible time to be alive if you're prone to overthinking hey um i'm not sure where you got that from but i like it and i'm gonna run with it yeah um um no i get that And, and i think that in the we finished recording last week's episode and then ended up staying on the phone for another 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, for the uncut, and, the uncut explicit stuff. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I, I kind of touched on it last week, but I was not feeling great about it. You were low vibes. On. You were low vibes. Very. But a bit, but to, and it does affect the rest of your time in, in really bizarre ways. So that that's why I'm thinking about the picture. It, it's just... Uh, Actually, it's a, a almost an arbitrary effect. thing. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's the way you were feeling is more a product of everything going on. I imagine. Yeah, um, and because I have fewer things to think about and focus on, because it's not a whole lot I can do at the moment. All that untapped energy goes to the strangest of places, um, mm. including my back um, and the hair upon it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but so last week you 
we spoke in more detail about it off mic. Sorry, guys. Um, well, I think, yeah, I want anyone listening to know it wasn't... Not intentionally. Um, no, it wasn't intentional, and it, it wasn't... I also don't think it would have been productive for me to talk the way that I did with you, Ollie, for the show, or whilst we recorded this. What, and with, you with said such foul language? Yeah, yeah. Um, you said something that was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I said near the end of the call, like, thank you for this, it just feels so good just to get it off my chest. And you were like, well, yeah, well, that's what the whole show is about. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> this is like... That's the point. I don't know. Yeah, in fact, so I was really grateful for that i how are you because um you know in a nutshell you were basically not feeling very optimistic about the whole situation oh i I don't think we've said coronavirus yet it's been almost half an hour uh coronavirus uh quarantine (laughs) we'll get it out out. (laughs) um but yeah you were just feeling a little bit hopeless about the situation and tired of isolation basically uh, yeah and but also here in england tired of and frustrated and confused by the kind of lack of clarity and although i'm aware this whole situation doesn't offer much clarity it, it, there was a point you know literally the day that we recorded last week where it all came to a head in my in my mind and was just like what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. you know and, and then it becomes a very daunting thing for all of us i think and yeah. i tell you what that's so I, I was knackered that evening um well you'd also got, just inhaled a big old yeah. uh, plate of thai food hadn't you yeah yeah inhaled you were a yeah. mess <laughs> i was a real mess and i got into bed at half 10 was ready for it, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd be asleep by eleven, and then quarter to three in the morning rolled around, and uh. I'm still there. Um, you know, I've, in that time, around half past two, I had my first bout of sleep paralysis that I've had in years, uh. which uh, essentially involved me sharing a bed with a death eater that kept like their mouth. It was horrible. Um, oh God! And yeah, yeah, and it was just very, you know. I don't know. I woke up the next day and then naturally you're you're knackered knackered from that. So it puts you back a bit. Um, Yeah. And I think at this point I've noticed in myself I've lost motivation. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I'm kind of like the idea of things. This is going to sound so counterproductive, but I've recognised in myself that the idea of things picking up again, it's like like a defeated energy. You know, it's like, oh, I can't imagine... I don't know, man. Does that make any sense? Well, I I think a lot of people will have similar feelings of um, when... And we've spoken a little bit about this, but at the beginning, there's all this kind of energy and uh, kind of not quite goodwill, but like the the willingness to, to try and make the best of the situation. But after a while, you can't maintain that necessarily. And... No. And it's perfectly valid and acceptable to accept that you're not necessarily going to get loads of stuff done in this time. Mm. And you don't have to pretend that this is anything other than a pain in the arse. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I know completely. And so what I'm going to say is going to be counterproductive. But I think like from I start beating myself up because I'm like, you know, it's been two months. You know, you could have written three albums in that time. Mm. And I just it, it just... It's not happening. I'm, you know, I'm sitting down to write every day as I would, and it's just, it's not inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounds like a really 
kind of vapid complaint to make. Uh, it's not a complaint, it's just an observation in my kind of day-to-day. -day. It's I'm not, from a creative point of view, I'm not feeling pumped up by this shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, like, it, like, I've pinned both of my previous records onto a journey that I've taken, and in all honesty, a lot of that is to do with it's something to go alongside the record that isn't just she loves me, she loves me not, when you talk about the, the music. Mm -hmm. And... And I always kind of thought that I would be able to do it without, but it's made me realise how much I've benefited from those trips. And, and actually, you know, when I, if I'm able to step back from my own music for a second, which is hard to do, to, but it's like, oh yeah, a lot of what I sing about is that kind of wanderlust and adventure. Mm -hmm. And it's what gets me going, you know? Yeah. It's hard to write a song about your trip from the bathroom to the bedroom to the kitchen over and yeah. over again although i'm not jarvis cocker you know <laughs> but i mean i mean we had an email about this which i wish i could find but someone was basically talking about how much pressure they put on themselves to be productive and how much they beat themselves up if they don't do a certain thing or they don't do a certain amount of work or whatever and I know that that's when I read it it struck me as something that you have described to me before um I think you you're always quite you do work a lot and you do sort of keep yourself busy all the time so when you aren't able to do that you're kind of deflated by it but I know that certainly for my for myself and talking about creative things there's only so much kind of grinding you can do if something's not happening it's just not happening and that doesn't mean mm. don't try and and i i'm sure that you can't imagine just not bothering but if you sit down and you don't have a a good day or you don't have a good week or a good two months it's not your fault. You can't just switch it on, especially mm. when you. This is a unique time, and I don't know how conducive. Some people seem to think that crisis is really conducive to creativity, and maybe it is for some people. I personally don't really want to hear uh, the next two years worth of albums that are going to have yeah. the lockdown songs, um, yeah. or watch lockdown sitcoms about zoom i'm not looking forward to that it's gonna happen though um i like do you know what's so interesting is i've been playing around with the songs that i've already written for my next record whether or not they make it mm -hmm. and two of them in particular have lyrics that are so specific to this situation and obviously were written before this happened uh oh! So people so, like, are gonna th that people are gonna assume that this is lockdown lyric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, I, 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 in fact, I won't. No, I say no them? spoilers. I always they always sound a bit no spoilers when you just say them. No spoilies. Yeah, but maybe spoilies are good. I don't know. Okay, well, I'm sure the listeners will be keen for a spoilie. So give us a spoilie. Well, this one of them goes. One time I got so low, I didn't leave my house for days and drove myself crazy, crazy. And like that was written fucking four months ago, five months ago. Mm -hmm. And now I've not 
left my house in so long and I'm driving, driving myself, yourself crazy. Fucking crazy. Yeah, crazy. Bring in the choir there. Let's lift it. That's a moment for the audience and kaboom. Okay, see, well, yeah. you're, you're, you're arranging in your head, even if you're not writing new stuff, you're, you're having ideas, are you not? Yeah. Yes, I am. I, I, I should say that I've been in this time, there's, there's one or two ideas that are sticking with me and I started two months ago and keep repeating on me, which can be a really good sign. But it's, I think it's more because there's, there's nothing else going on with my time that fills in the gaps where I'm not writing. I'm probably doing writing wise, I'm probably sitting down on my guitar as much as I normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's not the distraction between, so if it, that makes it sense. it feels like... Yes, it feels like I've been less uh, successful or slash productive. Um, but do you so if when you aren't productive do you notice that affecting your mood or the way you the way you feel about yourself or are you are you able to be like okay I didn't get anything done today back at it tomorrow it, there's two of ways of me answering that so if does it affect my mood when I am productive? Absolutely. If I leave the studio and it feels like a brilliant day, mm-hmm. my mood is lifted for that. But if I've managed to get myself to a place in my head, which is rare, but if I've said to myself, okay, for this period of time, you don't need to be productive, then I can really enjoy, you know, drinking a few beers and putting my feet up. But, so, but it's like, if, if I go and it's an unproductive day, mm-hmm. I do have a tendency to, um, I don't know, to voluntarily tie myself to the whipping post and just, you know, <laughs> yeah, invite so people to come along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I'm I think I definitely do that to a certain extent. I mean it's it's easy for us to say like that's not helping anyone, but that's just the kind of instinctual reaction. I think especially if you're like you said, if you're like have allotted a certain amount of time to to chill out time, then sweet, fine. Yeah. But if this was this was supposed to be a productive day, and then. It doesn't go that way. That's why I love it when circumstances make it impossible for me to get anything done. Like mm. like my laptop not working for a bit. I like I'm I'm annoyed for a bit and then I go, Hey, my hands are tired. <laughs> yeah. I guess I've got to chill <laughs> out. Um Do you know what's so funny this reminds me of Ollie is like and we say it again and again and again, which suggests to me we will say it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. But we're so much better with the people in our lives than we are with ourselves so like even today I spoke to I hope she doesn't mind me saying this I spoke to my mum on the phone and whereas at the beginning of this period of time she had found solace in painting and getting back to her you know easel um (laughs) she said that she's in a you know particularly naff spot at the minute and she mm. just said she tried painting today and nothing came mm-hmm. and, and if, when she tells me that i'm easy i find it easy to say like well you know don't be hard on yourself yeah you know th- th- everything going on and then when it's me as i said i'm you're tied to the whipping typing post. on google maps to the whipping post yeah where's my nearest <laughs> where's my neighborhood <laughs> whipping post um and um yeah i think i think what if i been doing i guess I, I do sit down with the guitar and i'm still talking to people on the phone and i'm still like i've been working on some inventions and i've been um I've, oh wait what well 
You've been working on well, some inventions. Well, I always, I've got like a kind of, I find that, uh, yeah, I've got some ideas, yeah. So, but when you say you've been working on them, like you've been in the lab with prototypes, you're knocking together. Uh... It's more, I'm more of an ideas guy. Mm. So I'm more of like, I come up with ideas. What if, and then chuck it over to the research and development team to, to uh, work out how the technology would actually work. Yeah, yeah. And often it's, genuinely, it's like ideas that the technology already exists. You know, I'm not... Well, Elton musking it, Elon musking it. Do you want to give just, us an um, idea of one of your inventions? Yeah, I can share one with you. Okay. Uh, would you like? Do you want to do Dragon's Den? Would what what kind of idea? Say, would you like a more of a novelty idea that I've got? Um, Something that would some, help around the the house. Okay, well, one of them's called. Well, one of them that I was thinking about today is like a big picture of belt, mm. and on the front of it, it's got like a quite garish, cumbersome plastic box. Great. sits outside of your person that fits a standard loaf of bread inside it uh-huh. and then on the right hand side of that like garish plastic box there's like a mechanism to wind yeah. and then you kind of you put your bread in it and then when you go to feed the ducks you wind it and it spits the perfect <laughs> size crumb out into the river and you kind of sway your hips from left to right so it doesn't even spread Okay, so it's a bread belt. It's a belt that you wear that It's has... called the belt of plenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, better, that's better than bread belt. The belt of plenty. Because then belt of plenty, you're, you advertise it as the bop. And then it's... I would see it more as like a stocking filler for kids. I, don't, I know they like their iPads now, but I think it, they need to get outdoors. Okay, so Christmas morning comes round... Uh, you're rustling through the stocking, you got your satsuma, your chockies. Uh Oh, what's this coiled up thing wrapped wrapped in uh, in, in Santa's finest? Um, you unwrap it, it's a belt with a... Well, no, Ollie, what you could do just to make the day a bit cuter is the first present is a loaf of bread. And then the kids go, what? You know, what's this all about? And then you yeah. go, you look at them with love in your eyes and you say, hang on, mate. Yeah. Open the next one, and they go, "Fuck, you got me a pop!" And they they put it on, and yeah. you go, don't, "No, don't do it in the house." But it's Christmas Day, so crumbs you all a over. Bread, and you, you all have a laugh. So, is the winding mechanism operated by the movement of your hips? Because you, you... no, but that's just you might want to do that. Oh, to that's share. a bit of fun. That's a bit of fun. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, see, you're getting stuff done in lockdown. Don't be so hard on yourself. You've invented a completely useless, bizarre bread belt yeah, called the bread of look plenty. At all, look at everything we surround ourselves with, mate. It's useless. Um, <laughs> no, no, not. It's not quite the same. Like, for example, this microphone I'm speaking into now, I would say, has more use than the belt of of plenty. Um, firstly. I don't think ducks are that picky about the size of bread that they munch. I think you chuck whatever, they'll take it. Secondly, it's I'm not sure that it's more convenient to have <laughs> a bulky plastic tub strapped to your waist that's full of bread. Because, I don't know about you, I don't actually go and feed the ducks very much but if i did i wouldn't want it to be like my whole day my whole everything is like you can never forget that you've gone out for the express purpose of feeding the ducks because there's a fat off 
loaf of bread right next yeah. to your member. <laughs> yeah, but if because I, I don't I don't mind con- constructive criticism and I actually enjoy it because I can take it back to the drawing board and work on it a bit. But I would argue that what if the bot became a you know a luxury fashion item or like a something mm. that is like a symbol of in the know and then you see someone with one and you go like oh my god is that hey he's got a bot i think you've 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 got to really have a think about who your product is for what the purpose is because it sounds like you're confused you're on the one hand it's for kids stocking filler oh yeah and then on the other hand it's a luxury food uh, luxury fashion item Um, yeah no forget the high fashion that sounds like a headache already i'm going stocking filler and and in your mind it's all it's all eco-friendly is it yeah is that something you'll leave to the to the scientists (laughs) this episode is made possible by pwc it's getting hot out here Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Shall I tell you a more luxurious product that I've been inventing? Sure. And I'm not sure we can say you've been inventing it. Something you have thought of. Okay, okay. Give it, give it so this one's more luxurious and this one's my um, target audience would be the, like the stupid rich that, you know, they, and I would, it's called Natural Mattresses mm. and it's for kind of hippies with money. And if you want a natural mattress... I come round and essentially build in your bedroom a solid, permanent, like raised garden bed with soft soil and a layer of moss and grass that's like meadow. You can pick what meadow you want. It's very soft and inviting. And then instead of having a mattress, you put your pillows and duvet on that and you get the, idea, you get the feeling that you're sleeping outside, but at a real premium cost. So... um you would come around personally and do this. Yeah, well, if it's a startup, you know, I'd st- I would definitely be there for the first few. Okay, because if it's a success, and I'm, I'm not saying it would be, I highly doubt it would be, but if it was a success and it really took off, you wouldn't be able to build these. Uh, what, what was it called? Sorry, a natural bed, natural mattress, natural mattress, mattress. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be able to keep up. Um, with the volume of, of orders coming in, if it was successful. Well, I like that you're forecasting. No, no, and, you know, if it was A lot successful. of orders. Um, but look, anyway, we can make this a weekly segment if you want, because I've got them coming out my ears. And I think you've got to have a lot of ideas to... The other one is you just go door to door and ask for a pound and say it's a social experiment. 
and that's not just... an invention. Well, it is. It is. It no, is. I truly don't think you know what an invention is or what it means <laughs> to invent. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, look. I'm, well, look I'll. How about this? You can just go on. Next week, I'll, um, we'll give you a week to to really have a a long think and and look through your your previous inventions. I'm imagining that you've got stacks of 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 technical mm-hmm. drawings and stuff of of uh the bread belt um br- the belt of plenty sorry and uh, the naturus <laughs> and all all these crazy ideas and and find the one that you think is the best and um present it to to me and and the listeners okay well i've already i already know what one that will be so i'll see you here next week okay that worries me i i i encourage you to use this time to th- to really think about it um okay. don't go with your, your gut just try and imagine it being a real thing and who would buy it if anyone and the kind of the kind of practicalities of it mm-hmm. and i'm up for it okay um well yeah i mean i'm glad you're being productive i guess um i this is not really an invention but well, maybe you could invent something that would help solve a problem I'm having, which is that when I'm wearing my mask, when I'm out and about, I keep trying to drink through it. And I've soiled two masks now and they're, you know, they're like gold dust. They're, you can't, they're out of stock everywhere. Yeah. Because I go to my coffee place and leave and sort of forget that I still have my mask on and lift it to my lips and get a... Mask I think I've already got. A, I've already solved your problem. What? It cut a hole in the mask? No. You know those like big. They're almost like a welder's screen that some of that is PPE yes. is some of this like big screen. Yeah. You wear one of them, but on top is a helmet. You know that when we were uh, kids, you used to get it where you put two cans in and then you can drink. Y- yeah. Through a straw. So you just you put the two together. So there would still be a, the visor covering my face. Uh-huh. But I would have two uh, straws, two straws. And I, but I mean, this is piping hot coffee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily well, want that strapped to, to my head. Americano. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for all your advice. Uh, I will look into that. Just Ollie, quickly off air. What genuinely, what do you think of those inventions? Uh, I mean, I am happy that you are finding ways to keep busy. Because my accountant I'm worried. wasn't keen. Yes, I, well, I, I was going to say, I was gonna <laughs> say this is how you've got in trouble before. You get yeah. <laughs> a crazy idea and you um, invest some money in, yeah. you know, for example, the the Natris. I, I, I don't think there are people out there who get in bed and think, oh, I wish this was more like being outside in mud. Yeah, but you how can you say that when you've been to America? What on earth does that mean? You think that those people are up there? Yes. No, I mean, look, again, I just really encourage you to just take the week, have a good think about this, don't make any decisions. Don't, maybe don't put any money towards anything yet, okay? Just... Okay. Just have a think about... I'm just going to email my accountant quickly well, to tell it to hold fire. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Do that, do that, do that, do that. Yeah. Um, okay, Ollie. Yeah. Can you, by any chance, beckon our beautiful 
messenger boy over. Yeah, I, I see him coming now. He's on his skateboard as he has been for the last week. I'm really worried about him, George. He's he's showing an attitude that wouldn't be out of place in, you know, on Bart Simpson. Uh, he's being a rebel. Oof. He's being a prankster. He did tell me not to have a cow the other day. And he's kick-flipping his way over to us right now. I think for, for the moment, just as long as we get those messages in, we'll just leave him to it. It might just be a phase. Yeah, but who, I mean, who knows if he, he might be pocketing some of the... Remember we asked people to, to sell a, oh, yeah. a tenor to each uh, message. He, well, well, I've, I've not seen invention. any of that. That's not an invention, George. It's not an invention. <laughs> Come on, here my he comes. Dear boy. <laughs> Email for you, my lord. emails just come in my lord thank you messenger boy uh wash your hands kid and pop shove it in the opposite direction this email is from annabelle and annabelle says that she is a child and adolescent mental health nurse working for the nhs she says thank you so much for this, making this podcast uh, i wanted to let you know about an acronym we use at her work to help when speaking to anyone who is struggling with their mental health. So it's VAN, V-A-N, Validate, Acknowledge, and Normalize. It's easy to remember and can come in very useful when someone doesn't know what to say or how to help. Often the person talking about their difficulties isn't looking for advice, they just want to be heard and not judged. Keep up the good work. I have learned so much from you both and your listeners. Best wishes, Annabelle. Annabelle, a mental health nurse working for the NHS, is claiming to have learned things from us. Um, I mean, it's a good job this episode hadn't gone out yet because Annabelle might not have. Well, she's, yeah, she would have learned that you don't know what the word invention means. Yeah. Um, but what a lovely message. A lovely message, and I've I've never heard this van thing before, but I think that that can be a, a useful kind of framework to have in mind if you're going into a conversation with someone, a friend or someone you want to... Ho Ollie? Yeah? Sorry, can you remind me what the acronym stands for? Yes. Uh, so, validate, acknowledge, and normalise. So, I think when people, certainly when... When I have expressed, I've tried to explain the way I'm feeling or a particularly tough time I'm having to someone, I don't really expect them to have the answer or anything. I'm not looking for anything in particular other than to be heard. And the validate part, um, just listening to someone and, and making it clear that the way they're feeling is legitimate and they're allowed to feel that way and they can talk to you about it. I think that does a huge amount of good. And that is also, you're, you're doing all of those things. You're acknowledging it and you're normalizing it and you're m taking away the kind of making it less of a scary off-putting thing. And because lots, we get lots of emails from people saying, um, I have a friend who I think is going through a hard time and I don't know how to approach them and I don't know how to have the conversation. And I think you you use this van thing and you also don't put too many expectations on yourself. You're not being, no one expects you to kind of wave your hands and make it all okay. But you, you go in with good intentions and you, as Annabelle says, 
you um, you listen to the person and you don't judge them. Um, so yeah, Van. I like Van a lot. I'm t- I'm just just taking a moment to think about times in the past where I've been in conversations where maybe Van could have helped me. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I there's plenty. Yeah, I I think we we get even even people like us who are telling advocating for people to do this and i mean certainly i know the value of having these conversations from personal experience but i still can sometimes feel um you know as if i don't i, I don't have the words i don't know how to mm. um how to respond to the person and i think it is because i'm kind of looking at it the wrong way i'm thinking that i need to have some answer or some solution and that's uh, that's not a reasonable expectation to put on yourself, and I don't think that's what the person will will be expecting either. No. So, Van, listeners, I love that. Thank you, Annabelle. Thank you very much. And now, uh, the, uh, one more email, which is again from a mental health professional that for some reason listens to our nonsense. So, I'm going to keep this person anonymous just because I'm not sure if they want their name used, but. Hello, fellow anxious people. I'm a mental health therapist with anxiety, and boy, is that challenging some days. I appreciate you both for being so open and vulnerable when talking about your struggles. People need to hear that they aren't alone. Let me start by saying that I love my job. I've wanted to be a therapist since I was 16, and I'm 26 now. To sit with people through their worst and best moments while watching them grow and change is sacred. I can't believe I get paid to do this. Saying that, I'm exhausted right now. While I compartmentalize well, it is difficult to help my clients process their feelings and fears about the coronavirus when I'm sharing their experience. There isn't a book on any of this, but we're all doing our best. Right now... Sorry. We're all doing our best right now. I'm good at reading. Uh, I can do it to high standard. Um, I know things are changing rapidly lately and we're in a state of constantly adapting to our new normal. A lot of people have strong feelings about what's happening and that's normal. We can't live how we used to, although there are many people who are still trying to. I see that we are grieving, and I don't mean grieving in the sense that somebody you love has died, although that's a possibility and reality for many. What I mean is that we're all dealing with tremendous loss in one way or another, and that's hard. Grief takes shape in many forms, and go on to list, you know, denial, depression, anger, bargaining, acceptance... We can learn a lot about ourselves and others simply by acknowledging what we're feeling and learning how to move through it. It's so important to be attuned to our feelings and recognize them for what they are. It can be helpful to ask yourself, what sacrifices have you had to make and what does that feel like? How does that emotion take shape in your life and what stages of grief are you struggling with? I also want to remind people that while therapy face-to-face is not an option, most therapists have switched to virtual therapy. It may feel like a weird time to start seeing a therapist, but it's worth it. I've found virtual therapy to be just as effective. We've seen an increase in new clients too, so people are still reaching out. Hope this is helpful from Anonymous. So I think that email, I liked that email for a few reasons. One, there's lots of good practical advice in there. And two kind of a a reminder that therapists are are not super they're humans too Mm. and this is challenging for everyone Mm. i actually find that quite comforting some people might like to think that uh, they might not like to think about their therapists experiencing the same kind of things that they feel but i find that helpful i mean obviously i'm not saying that 
if I was in the middle of a therapy session talking about panic attacks and then my therapist started to have a panic attack, I don't think that would be great. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, you have, acknowledging that this is a shared experience, this is something that everyone experiences to greater or lesser extent reminding I, you I, I, yeah sorry sorry oh, but i was just gonna say, just reminding yourself that <sighs> yeah <laughs> maybe you do go you go well it's something that i've always found really interesting and have asked people about in the past and it's that there's a there's a really good saying in fact so i pre-recorded the conversations that I'm having with key workers at the end of each of our episodes. Mm -hmm. I did three last week. And one of the women that I spoke to um, was also a paediatric psychiatrist. I don't know if that was the official title. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm kind of messing that up. But, you know, and she spoke about the importance of her taking time for herself, for her to be able to then go into work the next day and help others. Yeah. And, and, and then now imagine that your work involves you know, relative strangers uh, unloading on you and you soon become this pillar of, it's like a sanctuary that you offer these people, I imagine. And there's no doubt that you must carry that into your evenings and your days. And I mm -hmm. think that the, the because uh, you feel it even on a friend level, you feel it when a friend rings you up and you hang up the phone after. If they've had a real vent, you know, on the phone, I, I certainly feel it where it's like, whew, okay, I feel like I've, I've taken some of that on my shoulders as well. Does that does that make sense? And and, and then you've you've got to for you to be there for others. I think you have to be feeling well yourself, and that makes complete sense. And, and it's amazing that she opens the email so positively about that. You know, she can't believe she gets paid to do what she does. I think that's the most inspiring thing when people talk about their work like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I, I love in conversation when people are you know open about these things and that's a real good example of that for me so i'm a big fan of that email yeah and she acknowledges that there are stresses and difficulties that come along with the job but makes very clear that that doesn't take away from how much she enjoys it and how much she gets out of it and as she said Lots of people offering, lots of uh, therapists offering virtual therapy or Skype therapy, whatever, at the moment. So if you are struggling and you're in a position to get that kind of help, it is available, even though you can't go into a... You, you will yeah. miss out on the waiting room magazines, but <laughs> yeah. you can simulate the experience by finding the oldest magazine in your flat or house yeah. or whatever and leaf through that while... I wonder if, for many, it would actually be a good time to start because it actually takes out the... I, I wonder if, for some people, the, the separation of the physically being in the room with a stranger can be intimidating and the idea of then also opening up to that person. I wonder if doing it virtually could be beneficial I th uh, yeah i think obviously everyone has different some people will prefer being face to face and some people would f will not like that but also the other thing is you can um if you if you want you can do this over over webcam you can still have a kind of you can lock eyes with the person you're speaking to if that helps you or if you don't like that don't turn your webcam on. You can be in your little panties, although I don't necessarily advise <laughs> it. Um, you do you. Yeah, I think I need to... I haven't uh, had therapy in, since this 
all happened. So I went from having it sometimes twice a week with with my with the psychiatrist and and the therapist to not at all. And partly that's because I didn't know how long this was gonna happen. So I I wasn't really making plans in advance. But now I think I'm just kind of putting it off, and I should I should take my own advice and and schedule some in throughout this uh conversation i've i have i've been feeling panicky even i i i can recognize it obviously because i'm me but i can sort of hear it in my voice and and also it makes it harder to think sometimes um so that's my excuse if i've been in inarticulate at all you actually can't say anything about it because uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not very well so if you yeah. had any negative thoughts about my performance this episode shame on you yeah well if you've had any about me i don't know what my excuse is and um <laughs> yeah i'm well ollie uh you know i'm sorry to hear that but i would just say from where i'm sat it's been brilliant well i i'm only saying that because i'm i'm acknowledging that uh that i need to take some some of the advice i so smugly give out on this podcast and uh yeah take my take my own advice so by saying this hopefully that will hold me accountable and um hopefully i will i will only get stuff done if strangers on the internet uh <laughs> prod you yeah <laughs> um, yeah i like that well Mate, there's absolutely nothing you need to worry about. It's been brilliant. Um, well, we have another conversation coming up that you had with a key worker. But before that, we should say thank you to the emailers. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, there is only one way of doing it. And George, how is that? I always think the best way to get in touch is to email contact at phoneafriendpodcast.com. That's, I think, the best way. Yeah, and until George invents any other ways to do it, that is the only way. That's contact Ooh. at phoneafriendpodcast.com. No, don't start think. I can hear the, <laughs> the cogs whirring. Um, uh, yes, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, and I, God, I hope you did, um, <laughs> give us a rating, tell your pals, all that stuff. And enjoy this next conversation. And uh, George, I'll speak to you next week. Yes, thank you, mate. Thank you, everybody listening. And um, yeah, speak to you later on. Uh, sorry for talking about my back hair so much. I'm I'm not really doing myself any favours with this podcast. It's a good thing I'm in a loving relationship because... <laughs> yeah. Uh, liquid ass, hairy back... I like the idea of the music just fading now while you listen. Just listen to the terrible (laughs) things. Okay, so we're here at the end of the show and I'm on the phone with Hazel. Hello, Hazel, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Don't be silly, thank you. So the reason I kind of saw that you had posted about our show um, on your Instagram, which was very kind of you, thank you for, for doing that. Um, very welcome. And I've since learned that you're kind of some some kind of superwoman that seems to do everything under the sun and still find time to do more so can you kind of let me and anybody listening what it is you kind of fill your days with yeah absolutely um so (laughs) where do I start first and foremost I'm a doctor 
um, work in the NHS here in a hospital in London. And um, in addition to that, I also have a brand called The Food Medic, which I started at medical school um, in about eight, nine years ago now because I was really interested in nutrition and the relationship between that and health and medicine and how it all interacted. But it's not something that you typically discuss at medical school. Mm-hmm. And so I started that platform and um, essentially began, began on Instagram and it developed into books, which I wrote um, during my time at medical school and then as a junior doctor. And yeah, I um, I also went back to uni and um study to become a nutritionist as well. So I guess I do have my fingers in many pies and that I'm a <laughs> doctor, nutritionist, um, and author. And I've got a food uh, a podcast called The Food Medic as well. So it all comes together. There is some uh, method to my madness. And so mm. a day-to-day before, um, I guess before coronavirus kicked off, I worked as a nutrition doctor in a hospital setting. So I was looking after patients who required nutritional support, often intravenously because there's something wrong with their gut and they can't absorb nutrients that way. And so that's what I was doing um, until everything happened. And then I was redeployed to a COVID ward and started looking after COVID patients instead. And so, of course, your days will look a lot different now when you go to work to what you know you had trained and were working at. And I'm sure that every day is different. Just quickly before I ask how your time at the moment on a COVID ward is, but how, among all these things that you do, how do you find time for yourself? And is that important to you still? Do you manage to keep on top of, you know, I need time to wind down amongst all of these things? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, it's a really good question. Something that like a lot of people ask me. And to be honest, it's been a steep learning curve. And I definitely have gone overboard and worked too hard, potentially in the beginning and had to take some time out and kind of reshuffle things. And now I've found a place where I guess I've found a happy medium. I do work full time in the hospital, so it's not like I do part time work, mm. um, which makes anything that's extracurricular out of hours a little bit tricky. Hence why I record things uh, in the evenings. But I am, you know, um, I think the platform sort of runs itself I share what I do day to day and people are just interested in that I don't really put any expectations on myself I didn't intend to fall into social media or anything like that it just kind of happened and so it's kind of like a side thing that is a happy blessing um that I kind of happened upon so yes I absolutely do find it important to take time for myself because I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do if I was adding too much to my plate. Yeah, I understand that. I don't know how much you're able to talk about this or how much you want to talk about this, but what a day for you now looks like during the pandemic and what kind of even, you know, what time are you heading to work? What does that all look like? Is there kind of team meetings? I don't know. I'm going off on one now, but what does your day look like yeah. at the moment? Okay, so there's essentially what I was doing beforehand was more of a nine to five type role in the hospital. Um, and then when I was redeployed to a COVID team, my current rota then went out the window and we were put on a rota that involved long days, nights, weekends on calls. And I 
Um, I'm part of a gastroenterology department. So we all look after gut related things. But we were all told your ward's being turned into a COVID ward. So all of you doctors are now COVID doctors. Um, and I was told that on a Wednesday and on the Friday, I was a fully recruited COVID doctor on a new ward with new doctors and new patients um, fighting a new beast that I honestly had no idea what to expect either. And so we had one side of the ward, which was suspected COVID. So pe people who are coming in, they've been swabbed, but we don't know what their status is yet. And then one side, which was COVID confirmed. So we know that they've got COVID. But essentially, we were doing the same thing for everyone, treating them until we knew otherwise. And as you can imagine, um, once you walk through the doors of the ward, you have to be completely gowned up in PPE and things are very tightly controlled. But like I have to say, like it, I was absolutely astonished at how the hospital completely transformed from just our kind of regular functioning to a fully functioning COVID facility, essentially. I think all but two of our 16 wards were COVID. So that will just tell you how many patients at one time had COVID. Um, and we were essentially split into teams of consultants, uh, senior doctors and junior doctors. And we were doing ward rounds twice a day. To be honest, we had like a lot of people on the ground, but because no one really knew what they were dealing with and the patients get sick really, really quickly, you had to be very much on ball at all times. And being covered in PPE is very taxing. So like you have to take loads of breaks or else you get sores on your face. It's a, it's very difficult. So essentially that's how we were running it. And we went through a series of days and nights. Um, now we're at the point where we're actually coming out of that. So we've gone through the peak here in, in the UK, uh, particularly in London, we're dropping quite quickly, which is a really good thing to see. Um, there's still a lot of COVID patients in the hospital, but we're starting to close some of the wards and reopen them as normal wards again. So I'm starting to see my usual patients come in for non-COVID problems. So I think we're slowly coming out of it. And as traumatic as it might sound, it was actually a really great experience, I think, from a team building aspect, from an experience aspect, it was it was a really nice time to work for the NHS, a really proud moment, I think. I still find at the moment, from day to day, I feel as if I understand what's going on with the virus and socially, and then I won't, and I lose, I lose it. I feel as if I understand it, and then I don't. And I can't imagine that, hearing the news on a Wednesday, and then, you know, that all being implemented by Friday... And it's it's really wonderful to hear that you can you can look at the silver lining of a like for, as a team and as an experience f from the NHS. I don't know if that will be surprising for people to hear or not that it's been in some ways a rewarding experience. Um, I don't know. I guess a lot of us. I'll be speaking for a lot of us that our understanding of hospitals are from TV shows. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't like whether they be. Uh, fictional or those kind of fly on the wall shows what what is what does it look like among doctors and nurses and what what, what what's the atmosphere during all of this well it's nothing like scrubs or Grey's anatomy if that's what your like your baseline is i was really sad to find <laughs> yeah. out once I, I came through medical school 
um, that George Clooney wasn't going to be in Scrubs. Yeah. But I think the atmosphere, like I said earlier, I feel like we're stronger as a team. And it's maybe because you're going through something that's really new, really scary. Everyone feels quite vulnerable. And also you're almost like kicked into that fight or flight mode where you have to do like we're doing jobs that we wouldn't normally do. We're working with people that we wouldn't normally work with. We're treating patients that we don't normally see. Like I said, we're gut doctors, but we're looking after people with lung problems. I mean, we're all trained in general medicine anyway, but you have to do things that you're slightly uncomfortable with. And so I think going through that instantly bonds people and the nursing staff as well have been incredible because arguably they've had a harder job because they're there all the time by the patient's bedside and they're constantly in PPE. And you know, like I've, I look at them and think they're actually the ones that we should be clapping for really because they're running the ship and they're doing so much. So I think from that point of view, it's been really nice. And obviously it's not always nice. Like you know, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of mortality and mm. seeing that and witnessing that every single day every single night is really hard to come home from a shift after experiencing that. So, you know, we try to debrief in the hospital where, where we can, because it shouldn't be normal to experience all of that death. It's not a mm. normal thing. And I think if you listen to the government briefings every day, you just hear all the numbers and it's easy to forget those numbers are people. But when you're working in the hospital, you don't forget that those numbers are people. You, you see the people, you see their families, you can't even see their families. You speak to their families on the phone and it's a very unusual experience. But that's, I can appreciate, yeah, you know, yeah, I can sympathise to a point, but as you say, what I hear is numbers. You know, it's a, it's a different thing to then be living it. I think that that's the, when I asked earlier, how do you find time for yourself? I think that's kind of what I meant when you're coming home from that and say it's been a night shift and you're coming home late and you how do you oh, I don't know how do you come down from that because you have to you have to find a way to move forward and your future patients need from you attention and is there things since you've first started studying and where you are now is there things that you've learned along the way that you rely on whether they be conversation with colleagues whether it be little rituals at home are there things that you find yourself going back to again and again to help yourself yeah absolutely I think conversations with family and friends is really important especially during this time and just having a half hour of maybe talking about things that aren't work related, maybe talking about things that are sometimes having a cry is really cathartic, especially during this time. And one of the things that I found really useful when all of this began was I thought, I really want to journal this experience because it's going to be like nothing that I've ever experienced before. And I would be so knackered when I got home from work that I never really felt like I really wanted to relive the experience by writing it all down. So I got into the habit of just recording voice notes on my phone, just saying what the date was, what had happened. Not just all of the negative things, but maybe something positive like that happened on the ward. Um, and then some other things like me and the doctors that were all redeployed together. We started a book club uh, so we could kind of do something outside of work. And then when we come in, we're not just talking about COVID all the time. We're talking about this book that we're reading. 
And it's little things like that that just kind of make your life outside of the hospital still feel slightly normal, even though it's a completely abnormal situation. And then like I'm I'm really big into cooking, obviously, and I've been running a lot and trying to do those things that occupy the mind, um, but also, I guess, is is good for your body and good for your mind as well. Absolutely. I think that, have you, have you found, this is something that I'm interested in. I guess something that I've gotten used to is the idea of if you're in a pub and there's a guitar somewhere, someone's probably going to tap me on the shoulder and say, go on, get up and play. Do you find that in situations like this, you have family and friends ringing you up to for you to diagnose them and they're saying I've got this I've got that what am I okay do you find that people in your circle do that (laughs) yeah all the time I mean it's sort of calmed down at the moment but in the beginning you know people were calling me all the time you know people message you and you went to school with them and haven't heard from them in years and they're like (laughs) hi I hope you're doing well sorry to bother you can I send you a picture of my throat (laughs) you're like um (laughs) uh, so you do get that all the time it's always especially if you you know you meet new people you go to a dinner party they find out you're a doctor and they're like oh Mm. interesting I've got this thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't want to yeah. see it now. It's dessert, all right? Um, yeah. yeah, and something you mentioned earlier about your appreciation for the NHS, and I think that's... I feel that. I yeah. feel that more. I think that it's... I think we do take the NHS for granted. I think that... And something as monumental as this puts it, you know, in the spotlight of just how incredible a resource it is. And that it... And that it only runs with people it's not like a it's not a magic trick that these things run and work and it's I think something that I'm always sensitive to is that and I find it dare I say with politicians as well because I think these are still people that have to go home and find a way to be who they are and I think that that's what I've been feeling quite a lot throughout all of this is that these and I have family friends and friends that work in the NHS and it's trying to wrap my head around what what it is they're going through and then it makes me think yeah but this is you're only thinking about this because of everything going on that hospital's open every day of the year every night of the year there's people in there and I think that's a good thing I think I will carry that as in I think this is a good curve for me to to think about it more um yeah I hesitate to to be too kind of not gushy but I just think that it's incredible that you're able to do all of these things and I think it's incredible that you find time to then sit down with somebody like me and talk through it and be eloquent and find a way to put it you know (laughs) string it into sentences I don't know because you were at work today weren't you yeah so um yeah it's just I guess I've gotten into the the habit of of talking about it and this is it's for me it's nice to be able to share that message and talk about it and like you just mentioned kind of our appreciation for the NHS has somewhat evolved since this has happened and I really hope that people don't forget that when all of this ends Mm. and I really hope that the politicians don't forget that when all of this ends because Mm. the NHS in all honesty was on its knees before this had Mm. happened and we have managed to pull together. Doctors and nurses have come out of retirement, come back to help it. That's you know, amazing, don't... isn't it? Sorry to interrupt, but I just think that's <laughs> incredible that you've worked towards a retirement, which everybody does, and then you go, okay, I'll go back in. Sorry for jumping in there, but I just no. I, yeah, I get animated about that. It's, it is. And, you know, the amount of people who have donated things and everything like that, and it's it just kind of shows that, you know, we 
we can get through it, but also we need to realize that <laughs> how valuable the NHS is and to have a national healthcare system that opens the doors to everyone, regardless of who you are, and gives you the same amount gives you the same type of treatment to everyone I think that's amazing and I just yeah I hope that people hold that in their memories moving forward and that we get more resources more funding and everything else uh you know in the future well I'm with you there and (laughs) I think that's a, a really good place to say thank you for your time and thank you for doing this I understand yours is a it's a nutrition podcast, isn't it? Yeah. If you if you ever want a model of how not to live your life, give me a ring and I'll come <laughs> and be your guest. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your time tonight, Hazel. And um, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me.